Hey everyone, it's Danny Burke of VEASAN's Rush Hour. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all of the Chicago teams. If you're from Chicago or just a fan of any of the Chicago sports teams and you want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Chicago CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts readily made available to you. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to it. It's another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host. As always, you can give me a follow on the tweets at Danny Burke Five. You can also get in touch with my other show, Rush Hour. Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook up in Des Plaines. Look, we've had a night to uh, digest everything, and that's what we like to do to begin the week. We like to sleep on it, kind of recollect our thoughts, see if anything has changed in terms of what we think of the previous game for the Bears, and kind of really dissect it from that point on, right? I mean, this game was different because it was celebratory and there wasn't really anything too bad and I'm not saying the Bears played a perfect game but there wasn't anything noticeably detrimental or something that concerns you for the long haul and the remainder of the season Justin Fields you know did enough to get the job done it's not like he's lighting up the stat sheet but he was sufficient to put you in the right spots but more importantly and again you know, the ground game we assumed wasn't going to be an issue because of this lackluster run defense in Las Vegas, and that came to fruition. I mean, Herbert had 75 yards. Williams had 64 yards and a tutty on the ground. But more importantly, again, nothing has changed. I mean, the defense won you the game here. They did the bend, don't break mentality, and they didn't break whatsoever. Okay, you gave up the one touchdown, whatever. I mean, you know, it was a questionable um, what was unsportsmanlike or unnecessary roughness on Roquan Smith with his shoulder going in the helmet. Not too much you can do there, but in real time, yes, it looked like it was almost a helmet to helmet. So you can't necessarily blame the call, but at the same time, I don't know. You, you could be nitpicky if you want, but look, at the end of the day, I mean, you limited the NFL's leading passer to just 206 yards in the air. And the secondary has been the weaker part of the defense. A round of applause still to that defense, limiting him to 22 of 35. Jacobs only getting 48 yards on the ground. Now, look, I know that the Raiders had some mishaps here and there that potentially cost him the game or at least keeping it close. But when we're looking forward to things, that's neither here nor there. So, but it's interesting to keep in mind. I'll get to that in a second, but... I wanted to go over the two things, you know, now that I've had more time to think about it, what what are we realizing or what are our takeaways from this past game? And I also kind of want to pose a question. And of course, we'll get to bear with me. Uh, where's the beef, the early look at lines for the Bears and Packers and a college football recap. But to start things off on the show, I just want to I just kind of want to pose a question. All right. So Justin Fields, the past couple of games, and we know how bad everything was against Cleveland, and we're not going to really hold that to Justin Fields, okay? But looking at what Fields did this past game, again, as I stressed, he did enough to get the win. He had the big boy plays in the moment and looked calm, cool, and collected under pressure. Now, there were a couple things here and there in terms of he could have used his feet more to get the first down or throw the ball away quicker. Yes, those things could have come to fruition and aided this team a little bit more so, but with experience, that will come with time. He took a lot of hits, took a beating, and was just an absolute tough SOB. But what I'm getting to is 
does the lack of just kind of, I don't know what to put, I guess, you know, him stuffing the stat sheet, right? I mean, it's not looking, it's not pretty when you look at the box score, right? But it's not bad. But when you're looking to see someone for your franchise quarterback who goes 11 of 17 for 209 versus Detroit and then 12 of 20 on the road against Vegas for 111 yards, one passing touchdown against the Raiders, none against the Lions, but an interception against the Lions. Are you maybe not concerned, but you're kind of thinking, hey, yes, you know, we have excitement for fields. We're pumped about the win. But when we're really about to go against these good teams like the Browns where he went 6 of 20, we want him to get more into the 18 to 25 completions range. And it's okay if he doesn't have to do that or need to do that if the Bears are still winning, but there are going to be games where you can't solely rely on the ground game, right? You want to have a quarterback who you can absolutely love to pass. You want a Patrick Mahomes. You want a Josh Allen. And Lamar Jackson is fantastic, but, you know, Justin Fields isn't as insanely mobile as Lamar Jackson, you want those type of quarterbacks as your guy. You want your Kyler Murray. You want, who I just said, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, who you can rely to make the throws consistently and know you're going to get a consistent passing effort. And I'm not knocking anything that Justin Fields has done. I know he can become that and has had some great throws. Okay. But I'm just posing the question out there. I mean, are you a little just, hmm, you know, scratching your head a little bit? You know, maybe this is going to be an issue going down, or maybe you would like to see him more so about 18 or above completions. Again, if they're getting the win at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that. That's all that matters. But you can't solely rely on this ground attack with this not-so-great offensive line. You're starting running back out for the next few weeks and against tougher defenses coming up. The Packers are excused from that conversation because their defense isn't great. But when you're going against the 49ers, when you're going against the aforementioned Ravens, or I guess we talked about Lamar Jackson, but um, the Steelers are going to be another team. The Buccaneers, these teams are going to be hard to go against. The Cardinals, all of these squads you're going to be facing and you're going to have to play keep up in terms of scoring points at some point. And this week, especially against Aaron Rodgers, assuming he can torch the Bears' defense in some kind of capacity. So as great as it is to control the time of possession and rely on the ground game, I just don't think it's necessarily going to be continuous, right? I don't think that's something that can be reliant on a week-to-week -week basis. If it could be, heck yeah, we would love it. Who wouldn't? You know, the Titans type of offense, but a quarterback you can rely on. And you can rely on Tannehill for the most part. But do you want that type of offense? Do you want the Bears to rely on these running backs? We know how dispensable they are and... You know, the Titans haven't done anything too deep. Once, Because if you're trailing in a game and your sole focus is running the ball, that's where you have some issues. Again, I'm not knocking Justin Fields. I'm just posing the question, you know, 11 of 17 against the lowly Lions and 12 of 20 against this Raiders defense. That really isn't that good. 209 passing yards and 111. I get it. He didn't need to light up the stat sheet. But does that make you wonder a little bit? Maybe not concerned. It's early. And they got the win. So it's me kind of just playing devil's advocate here. But, you know, something going forward, I think we would love to see, and as Bears fans feel a lot more comfortable, if we're consistently getting Justin Fields about, you know, 18 to 24, 25 completions a game. That's what you want to see. That would be ideal. And then we would have our quarterback that we could feel very confident in. And again, I'm not saying I'm not confident in Justin Fields. I just, because my friend and I were having this conversation, you're like, yeah, isn't that kind of strange? You know, he's not really lighting up the the box score here. I mean, 11 to 17, 12 to 20. And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, you know, when they're running the ball, you don't need. So I'm like, you're right. I mean, and that's what you wanted to do against these teams and how to attack them. So it's not like it surprises me, but 
You still would like to see that a little bit higher, I think. But it's okay. It's okay for right now and at the end of the day. And we can't fully judge it till even after this season, right? I mean, it's been two games. I mean, not really counting the Browns game. But have some faith in the kid. And I'm kind of talking to myself out loud here because I'm the one who posed the question. But I think we have a good opportunity to see him pad that a little bit more so against his Packers team, which we'll get into momentarily. So that's something that I kind of just pondered uh, this morning after the game, you know, just thinking, well, is that something you should, you know, really be like, eh, I kind of want that to get up or does it not matter because all that matters is wins. It's absolutely the latter, but you still want to have that comfort knowing that your guy can consistently be throwing the ball precisely and having those reps in the air. But just want to throw that out there. Now, another thing, kind of just digesting this game, is what was funny and I didn't really note in terms of the post-game reaction show is the Raiders pulled the Bears in that game, right? What the Raiders did is what us being Bears fans have been accustomed to them doing for so long, being shooting themselves in the foot in a sense, but more so missing opportunities. Derek Carr missed a lot of wide-open receivers, overthrown, underthrown, left, right, whatever it was. Us Bears fans had to watch that for the past several seasons, and then some. Derek Carr had that happen after coming into this game being one of the top studs in terms of quarterbacks in this league for this season. The receivers dropped some passes. Darren Waller was dropping passes. Edwards dropped a wide-open one that could have changed the course of this game. And that's something you typically see the Bears do. It was nice to see the shoe on the other foot, especially when this team was on the road. That's why they won the game. They were disciplined, and they took advantage of the opportunities when they had them. The Raiders had some penalties that killed them. They looked bad and undisciplined defensively with the roughing the passer penalties. The Bears had one bad penalty when they threw down Jacobs, but at the end of the day, it didn't matter. You realize you can't afford to do that in other situations, but the Bears look like an organized well-prepared team. So tip your captain Aggie for that one and the rest of the coaching staff and all the players. They came with a game plan and they executed it damn near flawlessly. Of course, we would love to see him drop 40 plus, but you have to set realistic expectations. So again, it's just something to kind of sit back and really put into context like, wow, what the Raiders did is what we've been enduring as fans for so long, for really what it seems like most Chicago sports teams, but especially the Bears too, because they just had those spots where it's like, wow, this could have been a closer game if they came through with that, but they didn't. And they just looked kind of, I don't know, sloppy out there did Las Vegas. So that was, that was something different to see. Good for the Bears and good win. And again, let's go ahead and move on. And now we can officially look ahead to what we can expect out of week six with Chicago and Green Bay. All right. I don't know if I gave an official prediction on where I thought this line was going to be, frankly. So uh, I guess, I mean, I already know what it is now. But realistically, I probably would have had it at like, I would have assumed that the Packers would probably open up as like a four-point favorite. That would have, I guess, been my guess total like, uh, let's see, total maybe like 48. Well, no, total I'd probably put 46 and a half, let's say. So I guess I'm trying to spend, it's a little bit harder because I kind of know, but still I think genuinely, even if you know it, because the smart thing to do when you're betting is setting your own numbers before you see them. And that's what I typically do. And again, you know, I kind of just did it in my head, but I was trying to re-put everything together and imagine where I had it, but so I guess I would have said four, you know, 46 and a half. But the total looked to have Green Bay three and a half total at about 46. And again, I said 48 immediately. Then I was like, well, can the Bears put up enough points to get it there? We know the Packers can. So it opened three and a half. 
Total was at 46, and immediately you are seeing love for the Cheeseheads here. That's right. The Green Bay Packers are getting some love on the early spread. As we currently see this line at Bed Rivers, the Packers are a four and a half point favorite. Total has dropped down to 45, shaded to the under, still minus 112. If you're curious about the money line, Packers minus 210, meaning you're betting 210 to win 100. If you think Green Bay wins it outright, if you think the Bears win it outright, they're plus 170. Betting 100, you're getting uh, 170 back in return. Is this line too big? Can the Bears keep this one close? I think the total's appropriately set, even though it moved down from what I saw it at. I mean, if you told me this is going to be a short-scoring game, I wouldn't disagree with you. And if you think the Packers can score enough, I, based on what we've seen in the past, I can't disagree with you there either. But we'll be keeping an eye out for that first half angle. I, these first halves have been good for the Bears. And I know we only bet one of them. But, you know, our leans and what my top plays have been have actually been coming to fruition and being successful. So maybe I'll actually have to nut up and play them for once. With the Bears catching three and a half against the Raiders. Wasn't even close. What, 14 to three going in the second half? So, yeah. We'll see what it's going to be against the Packers. I mean, I'm sure it'll be three or three and a half. But still. Um, but again, with this line now at four and a half, do you want to take the Packers if we are being unbiased here? No, no. And I get that you would think no because of the division game factor. And we apply that to a lot of other situations. Like for example, at VEASAN, we have a, you know, a, a pick contest where we do, you know, the five games against the spread. And I took the points with the Lions and look how that came down. I mean, that got up to 10. It's a division game. The Lions have been somewhat competitive. And the Vikings are the Vikings. It was the most Vikings ending of all time. Would have only been more so if they had missed a field goal kick. Uh, the Texans game, for example, you know, that's not a division game. But on the road, laying that many points with a Patriots team that can't put up offense. That's what you have to consider when betting. And I'm not saying the Packers are a team on the road is that big of a favor. They can't put up points. But defensively is where their issues are. That's why, for example, when the Titans were about a seven-point favorite against the Jets, all my friends are saying, tease down the Titans, tease down the... No. No, no, no. Historically, teasing down road favorites is not a good spot, and specifically in that situation was not a good spot. And it's not to say that doesn't happen from time to time. Of course it does. But if you're doing that consistently, you want to say, okay, why would this be a bad bet? Why may this not hit? And for the reason of the Packers, if we're looking to back the Bears here, you would say, okay, well, one... The Packers' defense is really bad. So even if the Bears' offense isn't great, they should still have opportunities too. You saw what they are able to do without David Montgomery against the Raiders' defense. That is, you know, somewhat similar to Green Bay. That could help control time of possession. Three, the defense is still really solid. Had a great performance against the Raiders. I get it's Aaron Rodgers, but they're still a solid defense. And four, again, rivalry game at home for Chicago, different environment. So the line going up, I, I like I understand if people want to jump on that early, but I think you're not going to really see where the respected and sharp money is in this game until right around kickoff. Maybe not kickoff, but Saturday heading into Sunday, just this upcoming weekend. Four and a half now, it's kind of ugly in, in that non-existent range that we are seeing with the Raiders. And, I, and I'm not trying to convince myself to fall into this trap of taking the Bears against the Packers because we know what happens a majority of the time when this occurs. But I think this one will probably come back down to four. I don't know if it's going to get in the threes again, but I could see it closing about four, four and a half, I suppose. Do I have faith in the Bears to win this game? No. 
<laughs> not really let's be honest it doesn't mean they can't do it I didn't have faith on them against the Raiders why would I have faith in them against the Packers and again the Green Bay is not world beaters right now they had that sloppy game against the Bengals everyone's like oh why are the Packers only three-point favorite on the road again when you're asking that question there's a reason why and they you know should have lost that game realistically and well, so should the Bengals two times over everybody should they should have ended in a tie but my point being when you're when you're betting football and you're asking yourself why is so and so only this big of a favorite well maybe because they're on the road and because their defense isn't good or something isn't good the money's not moving everyone was wondering why the Packers were only laying three against the Bengals because you have this preconceived notion that the Bengals are bad when really they're not terrible it's just not getting it done in the W column necessarily but again you know I'm sure I, you know what honestly I don't know what the public perception of this Bears team is going to be now that was a respectful win against the Raiders. But again, we, Fields isn't lighting it up. But he's going to need to against Green Bay in this game. He's absolutely going to need to. Rodgers knows how to, be, how to beat this team, how to beat this secondary, how to beat Nagy. He'll have no problem. Can the Bears contain Aaron Jones? Can they contain Devontae Adams? I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. But what I'm hoping to see is a good effort in the passing game out of Justin Fields. Even if they lose this game, I want to see him getting at least 19, 20 completions. That would be great. And the Bears to put up more than, you know, 20, 23 or more. No, 24 more points. It would be great. That is the only way you're going to beat this Packers team or unless Aaron Rodgers has a terrible day in the air and it's turning the ball over. Right now, guys, four and a half in favor of Green Bay. Total is at 45. As you know, we'll get into that further throughout the week with some first half lines, updated NFC North odds. Is it getting interesting now? Probably not. The Packers are still going to be the favorite, but we will see as we progress throughout the week. All right, let's get to it. A couple segments that we always do to begin the week. Bear with me. And where's the beef? Bear with me. Just let me know why. Hey, hang in there. It's going to be all right. Yeah, pun, B-E-A-R with me, if anybody new out there is listening, like, what is he saying? Um, but yeah, so bear with me. Why should we feel okay about a certain situation with the Bears? My bear with me is bear with me. The Bears will be able to move the ball against the Packers. Again, that defense has just not been great whatsoever. They, I, You saw what happened against the Saints, and that was week one. So again, you don't take that too much into account. You saw what the Lions were able to do in the first half against the Packers, and you go, okay, that, you know, was promising. Cincinnati only put up 22, but they kept it close and were able to make some noise. Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh put up 17 on the road. You would hope the Bears could at home. Uh, San Francisco, that's a game the 49ers probably should have won. Packers are allowing more points in their averaging. 24.4, they're allowing. Packers are averaging 24 themselves. The Bears offensively averaging 17 and allowing just 20. Now, defensively, the Packers are allowing 233 yards in the air, 102 on the ground. And especially if the Packers continue to be banged up in that secondary, this could be a good spot for the Bears. Maybe not to win, but to cover and keep it close, keep it a field goal game. So bear with me, though. I have high hopes for fields in this game, or at least I'm expecting for him to get more action in the air. Because they can nitpick the secondary that's beat up, not good, and just has a lot of gaps in it. So bear with me as much as we're dreading an embarrassing loss from the Packers. I think we can have or we can see a good offensive performance in the air from Fields and company. 
So that's my bear with me for NFL Week 6. What about where's the beef? And honestly, I had a tough time coming up with one because, you know, there weren't fans complaining about the Bears going forward on a fourth and short or fourth and long, whatever it was, and nothing too bad in terms of Chicago. So this is a little bit outside of Chicago, but I guess you could apply because it, it really goes with every game. But my beef is with the officials, the NFL officiating. Brutal. And it's brutal every year. We always talk about it. And then every year we say, oh, no, it's worse this year than the last. And it's just because we're living in that moment. But it does feel like it's worse. And it's not their fault in terms of the taunting. That was the dumbest rule of all time that was implemented. How are you, Roger Goodell? sitting there thinking yeah you know what this is a good idea there's a reason people call you the no fun league you really thought this was going to be a good idea after week one after week two and you still want to double down on it insanity it's just absolutely mind-blowing that you would think that people would like this that fans would enjoy this are you kidding me remember when they didn't let you do touchdown celebrations how absurd was that now, I'm kind of going on the rant because this isn't even what I'm, you know, complaining about from the uh, taunting rules, which I am, but it wasn't the sole purpose of my wears of beat with the officials. We saw in Sunday Night Football that roughing the passer, that was such a train wreck of a call. Are you kidding me? He was having the momentum of going into the guy. And I'm sorry because it was kind of a late night, you know, because of the delay, but I think it was the Chiefs guy going into Josh Allen on third down or whatever it was. He threw it and got hit immediately. How is that roughing the passer? That was ridiculous. You guys have to stop controlling the narrative of these games, controlling the outcomes. And I get that they're not trying to do it, but man, it is just pathetic to see whistle after whistle after whistle. And you have every time there's a pass in the air, especially when it's third down. I don't know if anyone else does this. I just go, and I hold my breath and everyone's celebrating. Yeah, incomplete pass. But I go, no, no, no. You have to wait at least 10 seconds because a majority of the time there's going to be a flag for some stupid holding pass interference or roughing the passer. And then even more so, if it doesn't happen right away, then you're finally like, oh, okay. And there's like, oh, nope. The ref's struggling to find his flag. Oh, there it is. And then throws in. It comes in the field 15 seconds later because the other team did enough complaining or the dude was struggling to find his flag in his pants. That's the worst feeling watching football because you can't successfully be like, Ah, oh, yes, they stopped him on third down. All right, we're moving on. No, you have to hold your breath, stop everything for like 20 seconds, give them time to see if they want to change this game or not by throwing a stupid flag. It's exhausting. And especially when you are waging dollars on this game, real American currency, it is infuriating. But that's my beat with the officials ruining the fun of football and ruining the momentum of the game and controlling the outcome of the game to a max capacity. Take it easy. Be more like college football where seldom do you see flags being thrown, especially for pass interference. You don't reward guys for just chucking it up downfield. Come on. It should be a lot more like college football. Not with the targeting rules, but in terms of everything else, they're a lot more lax days gold. Let the boys play. A lot better. But that's my worst beef, and that's my bear with me that we got to start this upcoming week. Again, we will be talking plenty more bears as we usually do. As I'm recording this, that White Sox game, of course, got delayed, so we'll try to keep updated with that. Rooting for them Sox. Even though I did bet the Astros to win the series 3-1, to one, it would be fun to keep the postseason going here on the south side. And we are getting close to NBA basketball, baby. Don't forget about hockey. We'll cover that all and more so throughout this week and beyond on the Chicago City Cats. But coming up next, we are recapping the Big Ten college football slate and giving you those updated rankings. Who is number two? You already know the answer. As a Nebraska fan, it kills me. But we'll discuss that and the absurdity that occurred in that Nebraska game as well. Coming up next here on the Chicago City Cast. 
Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. The Chicago City Cast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and it has you covered for the NFL season. They're offering same-game parlays in all of the pro football matchups. Plus, they're bringing back the Reduce the Juice promotion on game days. And this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at BetRivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to place your bets. Okay, we are recapping this past weekend in college football here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host. It was uh, quite the season implicating weekend, if that's the way you can phrase that, but uh, it was fun. It was good. You know, I was a little bit disappointed that Penn State couldn't pull it out. Unfortunate circumstances with losing Sean Clifford in that game. My goodness, their backup was atrocious. He missed two wide open throws on that final drive. Like, man, how are you going to a D1 school, let alone Penn State, and you can't make those throws? I get it's a tough situation, and it's Iowa, but you were wide open. Hopefully, you're not going to be the starter after Clifford. Man, that was tough. But Iowa gets the job done 23-20. If you're an Iowa fan, yes, be ecstatic, be pumped, because it's probably not going to happen ever again. No, it can, but... Look, I, I just keep telling my Iowa friends, and they don't really understand the same thing. You have a top four defense in the country to be in the college football playoff. You have a top four running back that can get you there and offensive line, but you don't have a top quarterback in Petrus. Now, 17 to 31, 195, two touchdowns. He did great. You know, eating a little bit of crow with what I've said against Petrus and uh, one interception with the two touchdowns. But again, at the end of the day, what came through to help you out was that Iowa defense. If Sean Clifford remains in this game, does Penn State lose? Probably not, but unfortunately, we can't look at it that way. But I'm telling my Iowa friends, like, celebrate it while you can, but you also can't fully go in because there's no way you're keeping up with an SEC offense. And I want to say Big 12 offense, but Oklahoma, you know, I mean, barring what happened this past week in the Red River rivalry, try saying that 10 times fast, uh, their offense had not look good. But again, good for Iowa. Look, I, I can't be mad. I, you, you got the job done in a very tough game. One that you deserve to win well. You know, injury maybe helped you out, but it is what it is. And now you see Iowa ranked number two in the country. Who would have thunk it? Absolutely not me. Did not even think they were going to be the best team in the Big Ten West. But here we are. Iowa ranked number two. Georgia is in front of them, number one, rightfully so. Since he coming in third, Oklahoma coming in fourth, I'm still sweating out my Georgia and Oklahoma championship tickets. Uh, Oklahoma was a bet, actually. And honestly, thank goodness I didn't get involved because I would have been tearing my hair out. But I was like, you know what? Everybody's counting out Oklahoma when they were down like to a three-point favorite. And I was like, ah, you know, they need this more than Texas does right now. So I think they pull it out. And obviously, they're down. They come back from behind. I had to pull Rattler. And I was actually out and couldn't watch it. But of course, saw the highlights and it was berserk. But... 
Oh, look, Oklahoma got the job. What do they do going forward? That's perplexing. That is a crazy situation. Spencer Rattler enters the transfer portal going to Notre Dame. Maybe, probably not, but something fun to ponder. Uh, Alabama then comes in at number five after losing to Texas A&M. Then it's all Big Ten, baby. How about it? Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Oregon, Michigan State. I didn't even have time to process that so I can make fun of all my friends who troll us with the SEC rankings year after year. Now, are any of those teams actually insanely legit? Well, you know, that's a different conversation. But this college football season, and I know we say it every year, that it's crazier than the others. And it's not necessarily like crazier, but it's just like different, right? Like the tides are turning and it's you don't have, it, it was just way more wide open. And it's kind of cool to see that, but you still realize that Georgia absolutely seems like the far and away better team compared to anybody. But I think we shouldn't sleep on Ohio State still. And I get it that they played the easier teams these past couple of weeks, but that is definitely going to help develop them down the road. And if their defense can get on track, don't forget about the Buckeyes. People are not talking about them as much anymore, especially if Penn State would have won. Man, that would have been a good look there for uh, Ohio State in terms of their odds to win the Big Ten. And obviously, heck, who knows? Futures down the road. They're 8-1 to one to win the championship. Big Ten Conference winner, they're minus 182, so they are still getting respect now that, you know, Penn State dropped it. Penn State's 10-1. to Michigan's 7-1. to Iowa is 3-1. to Georgia's only minus 159 to win the SEC Conference. That's because, you know, Alabama, they're plus 110. But, man, how about the ACC? Clemson only being plus 125. Oklahoma's minus 230 to win the Big 12. Arizona State plus 135 to win the Pac-12. Oregon plus 150. That's incredible. Jeez. But this year is crazy. And, you know, I know we haven't spent too much time in the futures, but we'll have to do that a little bit later in this week. No doubt about that. But going on further, or further excuse me, with the Big Ten, I mean, Iowa, yeah, now, they, now they're going to cruise through the rest of their schedule. Legitimately, their hardest game remaining is against Nebraska. Not Minnesota anymore because of their injuries and how they've looked. And Nebraska's looked good. I mean, you know, I didn't think I'd be saying that, frankly, but they have looked respectable. They really have. So, um... You saw what happened against Michigan. I'm just kind of looking at some of these standings right now in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, look, Arizona State 5-1, Oregon 4-1. I guess the value is still with Oregon if you believe them a little bit more so than Herm Edwards. But look, let's get to that Nebraska-Michigan game, okay? This came down to the same thing it comes down to every single Nebraska game. Nebraska having a costly turnover or a costly play. That cost them the game. And I'm not even mad at Adrian Martinez for it. You can't be. You really can't. The fumble at the end, just brutal. Ripping your hearts out for Nebraska fans. This team fought and fought and fought and should have won. The officiating in that game was an absolute clown show. Both sides agreed and wouldn't argue you if you complained about one call versus the other. I had a buddy who went to Michigan. We were talking the whole time. We were like, this is ridiculous. 32 to 29. First half was gross. I had friends at the game too, and then they leave and naturally missed a crazy second half that I've seen involved with Nebraska. They scored 22 points in the third quarter to the Huskers. Ah, what's you know, your defense just didn't slow down Michigan enough, right? You let them score too quickly. And granted, Nebraska was scoring very rapidly. That was the great thing to see, okay? Which you have to get props for. That you did that against a solid Michigan defense. You committed a turnover when you needed to. 
He got screwed on an interception because of an offside, but you got away with one prior. The Michigan scores there. It was a give and take kind of type scenario, and that stinks. It really blows, and that would have been huge for Nebraska. It's still big because you see that they're getting on the right track. You really do as a Nebraska fan, so I'm honestly not mad. It's just it's not exhausting. It's just depressing a little bit. It's sad because these guys did deserve this win. They earned it. They didn't earn it, obviously. I'm sorry. They deserved it in the sense that they played their butts off. And it could have gone either way. And that's a game that really would have changed the course of so many things for Nebraska. Not necessarily for this season, but just for recruiting, for Scott Frost, for momentum, for sentiment going down the rest of the way. And it's still, they made a statement. People are respecting Nebraska a little bit more. So seeing how close they are playing in these games, they should have beat a Michigan State team that is now number 10 in the country. How crazy is that in Mel Tucker's second year? Illinois team, crap shooting week zero. You almost beat Oklahoma, and you could have beat Michigan. The should-haves, the could-haves, the would-haves is Nebraska football right now, and it's infuriating because you realize how different the season could be. They just did those one or two little things appropriately and right and correctly, and they just still haven't necessarily overcome that, and that hurts to see. But it is what it is. Michigan remains undefeated. Martinez, he can't be mad at the kid. He puts his heart on the field every time. 18-28, 291 yards in the air. Three touchdowns, one interception. They were moving the ball on the ground. 67 rushing yards for Amir Johnson, at least enough. But they couldn't stop Hassan Haskins, who had 123 yards on the ground. McNamara had 255 in the air. No passing touchdowns, though. Nebraska couldn't stop the run too much. But it was a valiant effort. It's unfortunate to see. We'll see what Nebraska can do the rest of the season. Hopefully they can close down. If they can get a big win against Iowa, then that will make up for everything. I'm sure many fans will agree with that. But that will be fun to look forward to, as will the rest of the Big Ten this season. But there will be futures opportunities, and we will have opportunities to discuss that later on. But I'm not too mad about my Nebraska Cornhuskers this past weekend. Just disappointed and a little sad they couldn't get it in the W column. But you realize that they may be on the right path now, which is the first time we have said that in the Scott Frost era. So keep your chins up, boys. We have a lot to look forward to, as do the Bears. And we'll touch on that later throughout this week right here on the Chicago City Cats presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you guys for tuning in to another edition. We'll catch up again later in this week. Until then, take care. Remember, you can catch my show Rush Hour on VEASAN, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time on VEASAN, Marquee, iHeartRadio, and many more. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. Take care, folks. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.